Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Ah, uh, yes. Good Thursday morning, and welcome to every card carrying member of the AEW Galaxy. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. Rick Uchino, SP3, closing out our work week, or are we? Maybe got a surprise for you coming up tomorrow on Friday, but this is our final regular show of the week. We are here every Monday through Thursday, except this week because we had stuff going on for the NXT review show. But most Monday through Thursdays, we are here on Believe in Pro Wrestling starting at 7 a.m. every morning, breaking down everything that is going on. And once again, SP3, TK, AEW, just keep rolling right along, firing on most cylinders, but an absolutely incredible dynamite last night. Then you look ahead to what we already got coming up on Rampage this Friday. First off, did you hear the damn pop for a face-to-face confrontation? Not even a match, just a a, a graphic showing a face-to-face confrontation between Hook and Danhausen on Friday. My man, Hook. You you didn't miss the opportunity by using the AEW Galaxy. You could have said, welcome to the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast for 16 weeks, the recognized symbol <laughs> in sports infotainment. God, are we on 16 weeks? I know we're on 75 episodes already because we are just cranking them out here. But my God, Friday stacked. Last night was stacked. Next Wednesday is already stacked. We're get, finally getting Deanna Perrazzo. Uh, on AEW television, she's defending her Ring of Honor. Cha- well, actually, they're they're unifying the Ring of Honor uh, championships uh, next week. So, my goodness, just a lot going on. And hell, the the headliner last night, we have officially a world title match, and we have a new TNT champion in Scorpio Sky. SP3 was that a make good last night? Did they just make that one up to us? We're we're gonna talk about it, but man, the TNT championship booking since Christmas Day has been all over the place we're going to talk about that and much much more on this episode yeah so let's dive right into it first things first got to thank our friends over at bet online the continued number one source for all of your sports betting need and sports info find all the latest developments including updated odds on the nba playoffs how insane was the damn timberwolves and the grizzlies the other night Uh, we're talking about next season's futures already major league baseball is back the reds are still losing so don't bet on them to win the world series bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs including live betting and your favorite vegas casino and poker games it is super easy to get started so Head on over to the website today or use your mobile device. Join and use our promo code while you're there. Believe that is B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And we do appreciate you guys joining us on this national holiday, or at least it should be a national holiday. It is NFL draft day, baby. It's going to be a long, long day for me as I wait for the Bengals to trade back out of the 31st pick and just waste my entire damn night as they don't make their first selection until the second round but regardless we appreciate you throwing in a sprinkling of wrestling uh for you nfl fans out there as the nfl is still king and sb3 let's dive right into it uh scorpio sky sammy guevara ladder match last night 
Scorpio Sky wins. I feel like there's not a lot of people who are going to complain about the result because there are a lot of people who complain that Sammy Guevara won it for a third time in the first damn place. So when I say a mate good, right, that is a radio term. If you don't know, I work radio seven days a week, like 50 hours a week. That is a radio term for we messed up, so we're making it up to you. All right. That's typically dealing with advertising. Well, except this was a make good for the fans. I think in a lot of people's eyes where they're like, you really shouldn't have put the belt back on Sammy at battle of the belts, but now it's back on Scorpio sky. Let's just go from this point forward and let him hang on to that puppy for a while now. Yes, I agree with that latter part. Honestly, now how it looks to me, they just put the title on Sammy Guevara for a third time. So someone that works with the company can be the guy that's held the TNT championship the most times. <laughs> that seems like the only reason you put the title on him for two weeks. It just didn't make any sense. I, I said at the top of the show, and I'll say again, the booking of the TNT championship, it was one of the best booked titles for much of its existence from Cody having it with the open challenges. Like I said before, when, when Scorpio first won the title, like, you know, Cody was a great first champion, establishing the open challenges, getting guys jobs like Eddie Kingston, Ricky Starks, uh, Brody Lee squashing him, made him a bigger star than he's ever been in his career. Then Cody winning it back to transition it to Darby Allen and make Darby Allen a star. And he becomes a ratings draw. Then you give it to Miro, who does the best character work of his entire career as God's favorite champion and the Redeemer. And then they give it to Sammy Guevara and his run didn't get a lot of steam behind it, didn't get off to a good start. And then it ended abruptly on Christmas Day. And then ever since Christmas Day, it's been a damn hot potato. It's been kind of ridiculous how much this title has changed hand from Cody winning it on Christmas Day to Sammy winning it back a month later at Beach Break to Sammy losing it uh, just like a, two months later. Then Sammy wins it at, at night. At Battle of the Belts, and then he, then Scorpio wins it back two weeks later. It just feels very hot potato ish. It's not how I like the TNT Championship to be. I wanted to get back to where it was before, where it was one of the best book titles and one of the most prestigious championships in all of wrestling. So I'm hoping they give Scorpio Sky a damn run with this. I like the ending with him being greeted by Frankie Kazarian. That could be a great TNT Championship matchup that has a lot of history behind it hopefully they actually built to that matchup but yeah i don't understand the whole you know outside of just wanting the title on sammy for a third time so you can say he's the most decorated tnt champion of all time because someone that also won it three times doesn't work with the company anymore it just doesn't make a whole bunch of sense i'd rather had scorpio keep the title and sammy turn heel in another way but I was going to say that that was that's the only rationale that I can think of is that Battle of the Belts match kind of completed the double turn in making, you know, Scorpio and Ethan Page babyface, even though they still have a heel manager and Dan Lambert. They still got to make that split sooner rather than later because Dan Lambert just is not needed uh, with those two guys. They can obviously talk for themselves. And I'm, I'm sitting here. Watching that match last night, and I'm going, are, are we supposed to boo Ty Conti kicking Dan Lambert in the balls? Like, are, are you trying to turn them back, baby face? What are you doing? 
And that's no, that's that got thing. that got booze. Anything that Sammy and Ty did Ooh, got yeah. booze. And Tony Khan talked about that. He's never seen this type of hatred for a couple. And I'm I've never seen this type of like turn of the fans for Sammy who <laughs> was getting like loud pops and you know his whole babyface offense was getting big reactions to now ever since he started putting his tongue down his girlfriend's mouth, he gets booed out the building everywhere they go. And that Philly crowd hated him with a passion and enjoyed Scorpio Sky beating him up, enjoyed Scorpio Sky getting the win. And this was a good main event matchup. If it wasn't for two things, yeah, I I'm, didn't need as much Paige Van Sand and Ty Conti. It Paige was Van way Sand. overbooked. It was way overbooked. Yes. They should have kept it about these two guys because when it was these two guys, it was going off on a great match. Like it was on their way to a great match. The Spanish fly on the barbed wire ladder. Uh -huh. The 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 nice little uh, you know subvert of expectations where Sammy sets up for the springboard cutter like he did on Cody at Beach Break and Scorpio catches him with the cutter in midair. They had those two great spots and then Paige Van Sant and Ty Conti got involved and it just became about them more than the two guys that were actually in the matchup. I did not need that type of overbooking and then they finish. Like they had a perfect finish. Sammy too cocky, taking his time to retrieve the title, and Scorpio pushes over the ladder and he lands on a barbed wire ladder from 20 feet in the air. And he's up within three seconds to do a springboard onto the ladder, only to get punched off. And then Scorpio gets the title. It's like, dude, that was not worth it. That was yeah, not that worth was... it. And that ruined what I thought was going to be. It wasn't a great ladder match after the girls got involved and it got overbooked, but it could have just been a good ladder match. And now a lot of people is going to have a sour taste coming out of this matchup because that was not needed. I did not need Sammy Guevara to no sell a barbed wire ladder. Yeah, that was like the equivalent of one false finish too many. That's like a dude eating somebody's finisher kicking out at three kicking out before the three count and then getting rolled up and 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 pinned right and like that's the finish that you decided to go with that's the exact same thing that they did now i will say this having been in the ring and taken a pretty damn bad bump and popping right back up adrenaline is a hell of a thing and you could almost pass it off as that but then yeah when you just take one punch and then you're down it yeah it it, it wasn't the right booking it wasn't Stay down after the after the barbed wire ladder spot. That's where it needed to go. You were too damn close to needing to go home anyway. You didn't need that extra spot, so I totally agree with you. I also agree with you the fact that this match uh, was absolutely overbooked. If you're gonna do, if you're gonna get the ladies involved, fine. I understand. One spot's all you need. You don't need to keep revisiting it over and over and over again. Didn't need the whole well. Let's climb up and do the whole. What's that game you play where you're, you're in the pool? And you got one person, you know, you got your girl on your shoulders and they got the other girl on your shoulders and they're trying to like knock each one of them off. Whatever that game. called. Yeah. Okay. So you're playing. That's what they did. They played chicken, but on top of the damn ladders, that's what they were doing in the wrestling ring last night. Didn't need to see that uh, at all as well. To your argument about hot potatoing the championship. I, I will, I will argue that hot potatoing is good uh, in, in certain situations. And I'll go back to one of the best, rivalries over a championship that I think I've seen in quite some time, which was Sasha Banks and Charlotte when they were constantly battling over the raw women's championship. I, I totally disagree with you. That was horrible. 
that didn't that that hurt Sasha Banks a lot. And she didn't even she I don't think she's ever got back to where she was when she first won the title from Charlotte Flair. That was over that was hot potatoing that was a detriment to that rivalry. Honestly, they had great matches for sure, but it did not elevate the title. It did not elevate Sasha. It elevated Charlotte in the end. When one person benefits from the hot potatoing, then it's not very necessary and it wasn't that good for the title or the overall feud in my opinion they they ended it the wrong way because it should have been sasha who came out on top in the end and then carried the belt moving forward so i'll agree with you on that point but when it comes to the tv tnt championship at at its basic point it is a a television title right like this is dynamite and rampages championship this it's it's supposed to be defended often and i like the idea of this thing can change hands at any given time and i you know i i like the i I like the unpredictability of it i had no clue who was winning this match last night i had none no idea and i like that i do like that aspect of it but if at the end of the day you had to put the title back on sammy guevara just for him to drop it two weeks later to scorpio sky after scorpio had a year long undefeated streak and you ended his year-long undefeated run just to put it back on him two weeks later and the only thing you really got out of it was kind of solidifying a double turn that was already on on the way there i don't know if you made the right call i don't know if you made the right call so i understand the criticism of all of it but at the end of the day scorpio sky is now a two-time tnt champion looks like we're going to get him and frankie kazarian Looks like maybe we can finally move on from from Sammy and Scorpio. Hopefully, maybe kind of sorta. No, Fingers we're crossed. Getting, we're getting this mixed tag team match at double or nothing. That was perfectly clear coming out of this ladder that's match. Fair. That that's, that's going to be the real blow off to this rivalry. That we're going to get Scorpio and Paige Van Zandt versus Sammy and Ty at double or nothing, most likely. Well, I know what exactly we're getting at double or nothing. It is officially official. Hangman Adam Page, CM Punk for the AEW World Championship. It is official, as Adam Pierce would say, even though he's in the other company. It was a shame that Hangman uh, came down with COVID, uh, was not able to be on the show last night. If you were wondering where you know, he was, he made that announcement on Twitter uh, hours before the show started. So I didn't necessarily hate how they kind of pivoted and had CM Punk who's going to be on commentary for Dax and Cash, which we'll get to coming up here a little bit in the five count. Uh, great match there last night. Uh, but CM Punk doing his little walking and talking around the ring, making it very clear he wanted to make it quick and concise and say, hey, look, I, I'm not going to guarantee a win in this bad boy, but I wanted to come out when I came back and prove that I could still hang, and I have done that, and he is going to do what he can to win his first world championship in, I know he's been, gone from pro wrestling for seven years but i i can't remember the last date that he actually had a world championship was it when he lost to the rock was that the last time that he had a world championship around his waist yes holy shit balls okay so yeah he's gonna win his first world title uh in quite some time i believe at double or nothing uh this is man this has got to be this might be my most highly anticipated world title match since when I knew John Moxley was going to take the belt from Chris Jericho. Like, I think at this point, this is my high, most 
highly anticipated AEW World Championship match for me anyway. For me, it's probably the most anticipated since I was there live in Minnesota for Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega at Full Gear last year. I was ready to see Hangman win the title then, and at Double or Nothing, I'm ready to see him lose the title because I think that it's the time for CM Punk to complete his comeback story. I thought his promo was a nice fired-up promo, and this is a rarity for the AEW World Championship, where it's a baby face versus baby face like i think the closest that we've gotten on like a major either special or pay-per-view we've gotten i know we got moxley versus darby allen before for the world title um in the summer of 2020 and you know moxley and omega was technically kind of a baby face versus baby face that winter is coming in 2020 but you already could tell that omega was on his way to a heel turn so this feels like the first one that's at an actual pay-per-view babyface versus babyface can't wait to see these guys interact more we got the little stare down last week you know hangman adam page couldn't get be on this show hopefully he has a speedy recovery gets over his bout with COVID, and he can be back on next week's show and we can see these guys interact on the mic because I want to see this new confident hangman page confront CM Punk, a guy who says win or loss, he's going to be in the fight for it for of his life. But I want to see how CM Punk interacts with him, because like he said, he's had respect for every single opponent that he's had, except for one, Eddie Kingston. So <laughs> I love that he keeps the same energy with that. So that's a lot of fun. And I think Eddie interact- had a rough night last night. Eddie, Eddie had a rough night last night. Indeed. Indeed, he did. He he made his segment, the in-ring segment. That was all Eddie Kingston was the star of that. But yeah, the fireball to the face was not a good, not a good way to end the night. But uh Page and Punk is very anticipated and it's gonna be a great main event at double or nothing. I can't like I said, I'm 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 very excited for this match, but I think the thing that I'm most excited for is the moment right before the match starts. Because I'm expecting that. That Rock Hogan s kind of like just stare down between Punk and Hangman, and then you just have that entire arena losing their damn minds because unless they do a turn within the next month or so, uh, yeah, this is going to be a major babyface versus babyface. You have your top two over singles competitors right now in the company squaring off the honeymoon phase for cm punk is still strong they they still love this man and hangman adam page has been i mean white hot as hot can be with crowds since before he won the AEW world championship from kenny omega so the electricity alone for the few seconds before these two lock up is worth it alone uh, for for this damn match, and I can't wait to see it. One thing that I was very happy to see last night was a fully reunited, unified death triangle. Ray Phoenix returning from injury last night to confront uh, House of Black. Just hooked this match into my veins. (laughs) This, This trio's match between these six guys. Holy hell. But, man, I remember when Phoenix got hurt, when he flew off of the the apron through the table and just landed really, really badly on that arm. And you could just see it instantly. I'm happy he's back. He's one of the best overall performers. Maybe not the best. We'll get to that coming up in the, uh, in the five count, but uh, he's one of the best overall performers that they got, man. I'm so happy to see him back and healthy. 
Yeah, Ray Phoenix is the best high flyer in the world. I mean, his high flying is probably why he gets hurt so much, but I'm glad to see him back. And I'm very excited for Death Triangle versus House of Black. I feel like House of Black has been stagnant for all the people like, you know, we talked about, I think it was last week with all the people that were saying, you know, Andrade El Helio is needs to be booked better, hasn't been booked that well. I think Malachi Black has been booked worse since that Cody feud. He looked like he was a world beater in the Cody feud, and then he came out of it and he's been kind of stagnant because they've been waiting to pull the trigger on House of Black yep. versus Death Triangle. So hopefully we either get that on a big episode of Dynamite or Rampage, or hopefully they can build it up, build the heat up so we can pay it off finally at double or nothing. Yeah. Either way, I think it's going to be a fun matchup, an absolute banger that's going to slap so hard. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. And I love the interaction that we got with Ray Phoenix versus Buddy Matthews. I wouldn't mind if that's also going to be a dynamite or rampage match in the next couple of weeks, because that would be awesome as well. Yeah, you you could really tell that they were just kind of biding their time with House of Black. They were obviously waiting for something. And now we know what that something is. So, yeah, let's. But in the in one one of my favorite lines from the replacement, heat it up. Let's go. Let's get this going, ready to rock. By the way, guys, running out of time. It is the 28th. The first of May is on Sunday. It means you have three days. All right. Three days. 20% free shipping. Manscaped.com. Use our promo code believe PW. That is B-L-E-A-V-P-W. Save some money on some damn good products and help us out in the process. You love us. Pound the subscribe button while you're there. Pound the thumbs up button while you're there. Let's dive into the five count SP3, shall we? It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. Boy, oh boy. Um, <laughs> if there's one thing my girl knows how to do, it is uh, get people talking. That's for damn sure. She took a page out of Seth Rollins' playbook this week and pissed off people when she opened her mouth. Uh, Becky Lynch doing an interview this week that set the IWC on fire. Um, paraphrasing here, right? Because she was asked about whether or not the competition with the with AEW, right, like pushes her even more to be on top of her game or pushes the rest of the WWE women's locker room uh, to be on top of their game. And she said, quote, I wish I could say yes, but unfortunately I don't think they're represented that, excuse me, don't believe they're represented the way that we are. They don't get as much time as we get. And frankly, they're not as good as we are continuing. She said, certainly on raw, we have the best women's division in the world in the world. I say that without hesitation in my voice. We have the best women's division in the world. So SP three, I know you wrote about this for uh wrestle talk. I believe uh, one of the like 19 outlets that you work for. You wrote about these criticisms of the AEW women's roster. So I have a feeling of the way you're going to go, but maybe not. You've proved me wrong before in the past. Number one, did the IWC overreact to Becky Lynch's comments or is criticism warranted? And I mean the criticism of Becky Lynch's comments. I think just like this topic, it's very nuanced here. I think that it's a little bit of both they overreacted 100% because that's what social media does. And that's what Becky Lynch probably expected when she said this thing. 
But I do agree that, yes, some criticism is warranted to Becky Lynch's comment because the first half of her first statement was 100% correct. They don't get the type of time. They don't get the type of devotion uh, in a, for the AEW Women's Division that they get in WWE. It's when she said they're just not as good as us. That's where I'm like, yeah, she deserved the heat for that yeah that was not necessary i understand a lot of people like oh she said it in character okay fine and dandy but still you deserve to be you deserve to be criticized because you're talking out both sides of your mouth because then you turned around and said oh my good friend is ruby soho i hope she becomes champion one day so you're saying ruby soho's not as good as you you're saying that the reason why ruby soho's not in wwe is because she wasn't that good you basically pulled the tony khan with big swole I mean, I'm, I kept the same energy when Tony Khan did that to Big Swole. I'm going to keep the same energy for you, Becky, because you talked out of two sides of your mouth. So, and the reason, and I saw people questioning because Dustin Rose kind of said something similar. He's one of the trainers for the AEW Women's Division. And he said, WWE is doing a great job and he wants to get AEW to that same level. And I saw Becky Lynch fans like, oh, why didn't Dustin get the same type of criticism? Because Dustin works there. Dustin Dustin sees it firsthand. Dustin didn't say WWE is better than AEW or the women are better he than gave, AEW. He gave a compliment to WWE. That's the exactly difference. exactly. There's a way to do this, but in a way that's gonna be you can you can 100. This could be a comment for Becky by Becky Lynch that motivates Tony Khan that allows him to you know make worry because Tony Khan always is listening to all these interviews. He's always looking for something. So this should be motivation for him to give more time, to give more devotion, to give more creativity to the segments. This is a complaint that I've been, you know, campaigning about ever since Thunder Rosa became champion because that was a great moment and they really haven't utilized Thunder Rosa that well. But you see after the Becky Lynch comments tonight, they put uh, Sheed, Sheed versus Deeb in a prime spot. I was very yep. surprised by that. They were the first match at the top, top of, of the, the top of the second hour. Got a bunch of time, and you saw that where it was going as well. For the first time since Thunder Rosa became champion, they they really devoted time to setting up her next challenger. Where they had this big blow off, their fifth match. They were two and two back in Philly, where their first match went down. They had a hell of a Philly street fight. Serena Deeb going over with the Texas Cloverleaf and then you saw Thunder Rosa in the back watching so that sows the seeds for something that I've been wanted ever since Thunder Rosa became champion which is Thunder Rosa versus Serena D these two have tore it up for the NWA Women's World Championship and they can arguably have one of the best matches for the AEW Women's Women's Championship so like I said it's a very nuanced conversation and like like you said go to wrestletalk.com where I did the three pros and three cons of the AEW women's division because it's nuanced. There's both. There is a lot of negatives and they are 100% right. And the first half of what Becky Lynch said is 100% right. They need more time. They need more devotion. They just need more effort to their women's division overall. And that's just, just one night. That's why I said in my comments on Twitter during the show that I hope that this is the start of a trend where they put the women's matches in a prime position, whether that's in the first hour or the top of the second hour, not after 930 in a time that always is going to get low ratings because that's the quarter that gets the low ratings and they put 
all the women's segments in that one quarter. Bam, 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 bam. Back to back. Exactly. Back, back, exactly. Back, back, and out of the way. Yes. Exactly. Tonight we saw a difference. We saw in the first hour they gave us the same type of you know layout for the Tony Storm and Jamie Hader, but they added Britt Baker. They added Ruby Soho, and both lady, all the ladies had very like standout lines. This was their best backstage promo segment that they've had so far because you had Ruby Soho going at it with Britt Baker acknowledgement of the past when she came in and how Britt and Jamie Hayter treated her you know the nice little line at the end by Britt Baker like we got no time for you guys we're gonna go to Ruby Soho's home which is catering, catering which is like yeah. acknowledging the fact that Ruby Soho has been been around a lot and I liked Ruby Soho having the final line and saying like didn't they say you you need to not leave and then they just left so she they played off of each other very well and that was the the first time one of these backstage promo segments stood out so i want more of that give me more of that because one of my complaints was there needs to be more creativity in these segments i'm not talking about you know give me two women's matches give me 14 promo segments i just need more effort to stand out these segments and that's one of the things that i put in my article but like i said it's nuanced with the aew women's division and it's very nuanced with becky's comments i think that the iwc overreacted overall but criticism is warranted because I can't say that overall the WWE women are better than the AEW women. I could say that two years ago, but they have very much improved their roster. And I can't say that I can't say the entire WWE women's division is better than people like Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, Tony Storm, or Ruby Soho, or Jamie Hayter. Or I can I can list about five or six. No one on WWE outside of Bianca Belair is a bigger star than Jade, Jade Cargill or Zoo star power like Jade Cargill. It's her and Bianca Belair overall in women's wrestling today who exude star power like that. So there is a better way to say this, but I think she did make some valid points in her statement. Yeah, so if you've never watched a Becky Lynch interview or if you've never uh, done a Becky Lynch interview, uh, first off, you wouldn't know it, but she's pretty damn intimidating in person, by the way. And she likes to use these more often than not, unless she's talking to Ariel Hawani or somebody like that. She loves to use these interviews as practice, basically, right? She loves to go in there and practice her quick wit and all of her quips and get her promos out and cut. Cause a lot of the stuff that, you know, hell, the promo that she cut on Monday, a lot of what she said on Monday was things that she did in interviews during WrestleMania week. She was planning for what she was going to do moving forward. She's very, very smart. And she's very, very meticulous. And for, don't think for one second here that Becky Lynch didn't say what she said knowing that Tony Khan was going to see it, knowing that it was going to get back to Tony Khan, knowing that this was going to go damn viral. All right. This is a controversy driven business and whether it's in her company or AEW's company, she does have friends over in that locker room. She does watch the product. She knows and sees all the same valid criticisms that many of us have been talking about the AEW women's division. So in her own way, and I truly honestly believe this, this was Becky's way of hopefully helping out her friends over in the AEW locker room by kicking Tony Khan in the balls there a little bit. Now, to your point, your credit to her saying that the WWE women's locker room is better than the AEW women's locker room. I don't necessarily agree with that either. But at the same time, what the hell else is she going to say, man? 
Of course she's going to say that because she works in WWE. She's on the Raw Women's Locker Room. That's exactly what she's going to say. It's no different than Seth Rollins coming out there and saying, oh, we don't need Will Ospreay because we already have a better version of you in WWE and Ricochet. It's the exact same thing. They're just going to bat for the company that they work for because you want to know why? They freaking have to because they work for WWE. So I think this is mostly an overreaction, and this is something that what we have talked about before, very, very valid criticisms. But the thing that I have, I I take issue with, and again, it's not necessarily how or what Becky said. It's the fact that WWE is not flawless at at all. They're not. They could definitely, definitely be doing better. I think they give, I don't think anybody has created more uh, memorable and marketable moments for the women's division than WWE has. I don't think they have made more household names and and mainstream stars as far as women's competitors are concerned than than WWE has. Um, I've I have spoken with, you know, you, you go out and you talk to people who don't watch wrestling on a regular basis. There are more and more people who know who Charlotte Flair is. There are more and more people who know who Sasha Banks is, and they know who Becky Lynch is. Uh, so WWE is doing a great. A, a great job in that regard, but we've talked about this before. They're they're in that golden category, you know. They're in that 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 WWE, you know, golden five, six, seven, eight. However deep you want to go on that bench, it's the rest of the division that they have to do better at. And long term, meaningful storytelling. You want to know where more often than not, at least AEW beats the crap out of WWE. Yeah, it's not always the best, but my. God, man, their dialogue is so much better. WWE does not know how to write for women, period. They don't. You look at that conversation that Aaliyah had with Ricochet on SmackDown this past week. That is not a normal conversation that people have. Not one coworker to another, not a male to a female. That is not how people talk to each other oh you are so impressive look at all these people that you've beaten no no that's what Kayla Braxton would say before she's going to ask a question that's what an interviewer does that's not how normal people talk to one another WWE sucks at writing dialogue especially for their women's division and they need more meaningful and more quality non-title women's feuds and we're getting that more and more on Raw, especially now that Becky Lynch is not a champion because you know they're going to book correctly around her, and now we're getting Becky and Asuka. Um, but let's never forget that WWE had Charlotte Flair, SmackDown Women's Champion, against Tony Storm, somebody who is well-accomplished at such a young age, world-renowned Tony Storm, up-and-comer on the SmackDown division anyway. You could have built a really solid women's championship program around that. Nope, because it happened around Thanksgiving time. You decided to build that rivalry around a damn pie. And then that 26-year-old, all-world, world-renowned talent quit your company because she couldn't handle your shit anymore. (laughs) She lost her passion for the business. Didn't She considered retirement. Because of you, but but if we're if we're going by the WWE handbook that Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins followed by, Tony Storm was just hard to work with. 
She was just difficult to work with. That's <laughs> that what they always the say. Line. That's what that the that's the what the, yes. the company line. That's why I'm saying criticism is warranted because if you want to play by the WWE handbook, criticism is going to come with that. So sure. I, if I'm going to understand, yeah, she works with the company. She has to say these things and she has to realize she's going to get criticism for it. And it is warranted criticism because you are following what this man wants you to say. Yes. Again, it's going to bat. And, you know, it, it's no different, right? Like if you, if you're out, if you go out and so look, uh, my philosophy in covering, you know, pro wrestling, I will never be one of these guys that goes out here and says, this person sucks. F this, this is garbage. I could do so much better. This, that, and the other thing, they don't know what the hell they're doing. I'm never going to be that guy who's overly negative just for the hell of it because he thinks it pops a rating or it gets some views. Sadly, more often than not, it's accurate. That does work. It, you know, if you're one of these guys that just drops f bombs into the microphone and screams your damn head off, like somebody just ran over your dog, and you do that after every episode of SmackDown. First off, I don't have, I have two kids. I don't have the energy for that shit. Secondly, it's not my philosophy. I am all about valid criticism when it's warranted otherwise i try to focus on the positives because there's too much damn negativity in this in this freaking world all right if you're out there offering constructive criticism of your own product of you know your own company i think that is perfectly fine but anybody who's sitting there out here saying yeah well this freaking sucks you remember that time that they they put a pie in tony storm's face and she quit the company yeah that was bullshit you're going to you're going to start generating red flags. You're going to start getting on people's uh, radar. And then guess what? You're not going to be in the media anymore. All right. And then you're not going to get sustained push. So it's a very fine line that you have to walk. We've heard reports about Liv Morgan accidentally saying some stuff. And then all of a sudden she's not on TV for three weeks. Right. Like we've heard those kind of backstage shows, whether or not they're true or not. I don't know. All right. But, you know, sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire. So a lot of these stars, Becky Lynch can get away with a little bit more. A lot of these stars got to walk a fine line and toe the company line because that's who signs their damn checks. You are not going to see me going out there and shit talking iHeartMedia. You know why? Because I won't have a job a whole lot. We love iHeartMedia. You can read the, you can uh, listen to this podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Download yes. it now. Follow us. Shout outs to iHeartMedia. Shout outs to True Hill Heat. Shout outs to Russell Talk. Shout outs to the Believe Podcast and yes. Redacted too. Whatever. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> But yes, absolutely. So people got to understand, yes, people like Becky Lynch are going to go to bat and say nobody can hang with their stuff. Seth Rollins, again, like, man, when he when when he's wrestling Cody and he says, welcome back to the big leagues, bitch, that makes for great television. All right. And I think a lot of people, you know, love that angle. And of course, Seth Rollins is going to believe that he's as a part of the best company in the world. Guess what? If he, if his WWE contract expired and he went over to AEW, he'd be saying the exact same shit that he's been doing and waving that same damn flag that he has been for WWE with AEW's flag on it, with AEW's logo on it this time around. So I think everything needs to be taken with a grain of salt. And as Sami Zayn said in an interview I did with him recently, just all take a deep breath. Just all calm down wrestling let's have some fun and i do think at it at, at the bottom line becky knows what she's doing she's trying to get under tk skin here a little bit so maybe it does kind of finally ramp up because we know that tony khan when he gets criticized whether it's warranted or not he takes that shit personally and then 
that's how you start to get things changed on television. So, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's definitely fair to say the answer is uh, a bit of both uh, on this one. You already kind of touched on it a, a little bit uh, here, SP3, but uh, did get a great women's match last night. Philly street fight. Perfect place for that because, you know, it's in Philly. But, you know, obviously ECW history and everything like that. Great. Great spot for this match. Top of the hour. Serena Deeb wins over Hikirishita. This was the the fifth and probably final match between these two. You believe they made the right call in putting Serena Deeb over here? 100%. I've said before, i said again, I said this when Thunder Rosa won the title a month ago, that whoever comes out of the Deeb-Sheeta feud needs to be next in line for the championship and needs to probably be the challenger for double or nothing. Serena Deeb is the right choice because she's a heel. I wouldn't have liked, you know, maybe you can do Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa more into Thunder Rosa's title reign, but you want to put her against established heels for now because she is the top baby face of the division. She's the champion and Serena Deeb has been very well built up despite not having, you know, the focus from week to week. She's had the whole professor five minute challenge where she's dominated rookies. She's had this whole feud going on with Hikarashida. So this win really solidifies her and gives her the momentum to go to double or nothing and really challenge against Thunder Rosa, who she owns two victories against. She took the NWA Women's World Championship off of Thunder Rosa after she had nearly a year long reign. And then she beat her for the championship before Thunder Rosa went into her feud with Britt Baker. So she's pretty much 2-0 against Thunder Rosa. So this is a great challenger, a person that has history with Thunder Rosa. And I think they can tear it up and have a great match if given the right amount of time and the right position on the card at double or nothing. So I hope that they get both of those because it can be a banger. I hope they play into that history. Uh, I 100% agree. I was hoping that that Serena would win this one, especially, you know, when you hear, I believe it was Excalibur, excuse me, man, man with the mask, uh, said, uh, you know, if she loses this match, her number one ranking is going to tumble all the way down. And I'm like, okay, well, that better mean she's winning it because uh, it needs to be Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb for the AEW Women's Championship at Double or Nothing. I believe that's the direction that we're going. I've loved the work that Serena Deeb has put in over these last few months from her promo work, the in ring work, the five minute challenges. Everything has been great. Her feud with uh, with uh, Hikirishita has been awesome as well. These two ladies have have torn it up a lot when they've been in the ring. Uh, so I, it's definitely time to move on to something else. That something else is going to be Deeb and Thunder Rosa. I have no issue with this whatsoever. And you know, I I loved the finish to this match. I I did. You know, the the slamming the damn knee down on the chair, and then you top in the Texas clover leaf. She had nowhere to go makes sense kind of protects her a little bit because it's it is such a a brutal match yeah i, I don't see how anybody i know they're gonna there are the sheeta fans out there who maybe wanted her to come over uh and get over in this feud at the end of the day but given the circumstances around the women's championship feud right now if dr Britt baker was still the women's champion i think akira sheeta might have won this but i think it makes a little bit more sense now to go ahead and do thunder rosa and uh, and deep and you talked about Sky and Kavara being a match where you didn't know who was going to win. This was another one. That's why I really enjoyed this matchup because I did not know who was going to win. So I really enjoyed it. Serena Deep getting a win. These two women have had three of 
three of the best women's matches in AEW history. Their first match in Philly last year on the anniversary show. Their match in the TBS title tournament is right up there, in my opinion, with like Baker and Rose's two matches inside the steel cage and the lights out matchup as one of the one of the best matches, women's matches in AEW history. So I hope that Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa can have that same type of magic. So there's there there are reasons why you should watch the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast here on the uh, the YouTube channel or listen to the podcast again on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you can get your podcast. Because had you tuned in uh, to my interview with one Wardlow, uh, you would have been tipped off that this man was about to unleash some pretty awesome things in the wrestling ring. And I was giddy as a schoolgirl last night when we finally got to see a little bit of that. The flying head scissors from Wardlow last night. The the Swanton bomb uh, from the uh, growing up Jeff Hardy admirer uh, Wardlow. That interview is still available here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. So check that out. Also wrote about it for uh, cage side seats, but I saw everybody losing their damn minds uh, when Wardlow started doing all this high flying stuff. And I'm like, oh, boy, you all did not read my article for cage side seats then because I told you that this was coming when I talked to the big man last night. Still doesn't make it any less impressive uh, what Wardlow did. A great match uh, against Lance Archer last night. Dominates him. He's got another mystery opponent coming up next week. Uh, we'll touch on that here in a moment. But, man, when you look at what AEW has in Wardlow, this is a guy who can connect to the audience. He's over massively right now. Um, not Maybe not quite to the, to the hangman CM Punk range but he's getting there uh quickly approaching those kind of levels he's big he's fast he's athletic he's agile he can use his strength he can fly around the ring and we know that he can talk he can work in the ring as well he the the facial expressions of like just the story that he was telling with his face and his eyes while he was kicking the shit out of lance archer last night you've heard the term five tool player that is what wardlow is i think he does everything incredibly incredibly well all that said sp3 no disrespect to anybody else in that aew locker room i ain't going becky lynch here is wardlow the most impressive overall performer in aew no the guy that is the reason why he's so over as a baby face the guy he's feuding with the guy the reason why he doesn't come out to music anymore MJF, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, my fellow New Yorker, is the most impressive overall performer in AEW because not only is he one of the best characters and best heels in the business today, in my opinion, the best damn heel in professional wrestling around the world. He is the, the one of the best talkers out there in the world today no in professional wrestling. No and in the ring, this guy is a big match performer. Every big match that he's had in AEW, he's 
knocked it out of the park. Whether the two matches with CM Punk beating him twice in Chicago, the dog collar match, which is right out there, in my opinion, for one of the best matches of this year. Last year, I was there live to see him and Darby Allen, in my opinion, the best opener for an AEW pay-per-view of all time is him and Darby Allen at full gear. He stepped up against John Moxley when he got his first shot at the AEW World Championship. His matches with Chris Jericho, whether it was one-on-one or whether it it was Pinnacle versus um, the Inner Circle. MJF has been the most impressive overall performer in AEW. It's the reason we had a question on this show of if he should be in the top five highest paid performers in AEW because he's that yeah. damn good. MJF is the most impressive overall performer, but Wardlow is well on his way to proving me wrong and showing that he can. He is on his way. He's right behind MJF. I think he's also behind someone like Hangman Adam Page. He's also right behind, in my opinion, Brian Danielson. Regardless of how long Brian Danielson's been in the business, he still tears it up. John Moxley, there's guys that are ahead of him, but I think that in the future, if you're if you ask this question two, three, five years from now, Warlow will definitely be in that conversation more. I, I think, you know, you can look at this question and you you had a brilliant word earlier, you know, nuanced. I think this question is nuanced. You can look at this question and interpret overall performer in a lot of different ways. I'm just looking at a guy like Wardlow who his size, his build, and then what he's able to do. I mean, that that flying head scissors was incredibly, incredibly impressive for a guy his size to be able to, to fly around, not as well as Ray Phoenix, obviously, but pulling off those kind of moves is damn impressive and certainly had the internet talking. Um, so, I mean, again, you can look at overall performer in a lot of different ways or impressive, and and you can name guys like like Brian Danielson and things like that, and I can't argue with you. Um, and I don't have the time to go back and forth here because we're already at 48 minutes of this half hour podcast. But I will say I agree with you in that MJF, you know, we've talked about it. Should he be one of the top five paid guys in AEW? And I think there's no question. The answer is yes. Can I say the same about Wardlow right now? Not right now. But he's on his way. I will say this much. If I'm WWE, you want to talk about the great bidding war of 2024. If they're definitely interested in Maxwell Jacob Freeman. They should also be interested in Wardlow. I don't care that he's 34 years old. You know why? Because he looks like he's 24. All right. He age is just a well, damn number. Well, to WWE, 34 is 24 years old because they only the call division. people up. They only call people up from the men's division if you're 38 and older. Yeah. So you need to be you need to be 30, 35, 36, 37 if you want to make it onto the main roster. Uh, in WWE, if you're a male, if you're a female, you better be 19, 20, 21, <laughs> which is ridiculous. And I could spend an entire 90 minutes on on how just absolutely shitty that is. And you end up with people like Tyler Valkyrie, who should still be with your company, who's not with your company. Uh, the most highly anticipated match um, for a lot of reasons and for a lot of people last night was first time, last time, FTR. Loved how they came out to the ring together still. That was a great start to this matchup. SP3, did Dax and Cash live up to your expectations in this Owen Hart qualifier? 
1000%. I got the little Owen and Brett references. The way they started the match was exactly how Brett and Owen started their match at WrestleMania 10. We had the Owen Hart, they had the, the Heart Foundation themed tights, which was a great little touch as well. Uh, you had Dax taking the, the Bret Hart, the Bret Hart chest uh, bump into the turnbuckle. You had the little callback to the Owen and Brett WrestleMania 10 finish. That was a great near fall. I love the finish as well with Dax having second thoughts about going for the sharpshooter yeah. on Cash's injured knee and we think that would cost him the victory but he reverses the small package to get the win this was just pure wrestling fantastic storytelling lived up to expectations 100% yeah you know you you look at this match and this is why I tell people you know I will take a great story every day of the week over a match like what we saw between Scorpio Sky and Sammy, which was, yeah, there were a lot of really cool high spots. They did some awesome shit in that match, you know, getting dumped on barbed wire. I enjoyed this match more. I enjoyed this match a hell of a lot more. And really at its basic core, it was a, it was a basic match. It was a lot of solid chain wrestling between these two guys. A little bit of heat, but not a whole lot because they were both baby faces. As I'm trying to fight off a sneeze here, if you're wondering why I'm making so many uh, weird faces right now, um, like if any other guys went out there and put on that match last night, I don't think it gets the reaction from the crowd that it did because like, honestly, that's I'm watching that match kind of unfold and I'm going like, you know, I've done a lot of that same me personally. I've done a lot of that same stuff. In rehearsal matches with a guy named Adam Rorges. All right. Me and him did that a lot. Jimmy Yang put us through the chain wrestling ringer a lot, doing much of that first half of that match. But I enjoyed watching the shit out of it because the story was so damn good. And yes, it was a very basic, it was kind of like a love letter to classic pro wrestling, is what that was last night. And the story between the two guys, and I thought CM Punk added a lot on commentary last night for this match, making comments like he just pile drives his tag team partner. At what point do you say, okay, this ain't worth it because I may have just put a, my own dude out of action by injuring his neck, added a lot more story on top of everything, even though he made a clear cut that he doesn't like these guys because they roll with a pinnacle, even though they haven't really been rolling with the pinnacle as of late, but you know, again, going back on history, that's a big thing that CM Punk had. The story made this match. And yes, it was technically sound. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching all of it and I'm going, damn, I wish my back didn't suck because I have this just itch that I need to scratch where I need to take some bumps and I need to do some head scissors and some kip ups and, and all of that jazz. Like I want to get back in there and I want to do that. And those two guys did that. So thanks and screw you guys for doing that to me last night uh real quick because uh, we are running out of time the last one here uh said i saw your tweet for the true heel uh, channel so i'll go ahead and ask you here true or false the next aew world tag team champion should be ricky starks and powerhouse hobbs after they approached jurassic express and they laid down the challenge last night i would love for it to be them but i'm gonna go with false only because 
I think the next AEW World Tag Team Champions is the guys we just talked about, FTR. I think FTR should become the first ever Triple Crown Tag Team Champions. Triple A, ROH, and AEW World Tag Team Champions. So the on, that's the only reason I love Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hops as a tag team. I'm going to love this matchup with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. I think that just works. You got one little guy, one big guy. They're going to work very well with each other and i would love for christian to be the reason why they would lose so i'm gonna go with false only because i think they've been building up to fdr being there but honestly at the end of the day there's no wrong answer because i'd be perfectly fine with team taz winning those straps i would be as well and you know it you don't have to rush into ftr they can still build to that they can still build to that even a little bit more. And they do, you know, they can they can kind of fill the time with the fact that they are the AAA champions and they are the Ring of Honor champions already. Um, and it does kind of create that that babyface heel dynamic by having it be the tag team belts be on Team Taz. But then at that situation, I think Ricky and Hobbs would be kind of more transitional than than anything. I would not be surprised if we end up seeing a triple threat match at double or nothing if you throw in um uh isaiah swerve scott and uh keith lee as well uh into that mix because there's still some unfinished business there with uh with ricky starks and powerhouse Hobbs. so i wouldn't be surprised if that's the direction they're going but man you're right though it did we just keep getting more and more little breadcrumbs that that something's going on with christian uh and he he may be ready to just you know kick his stepkids to the side and, and, and hop back on his, his own trail there. So that's going to be interesting to see uh, unfold. I'm going to go to answer the question. I'm going to go with true. I'm going to go with true. I think FTR beats team Taz for those tag team titles and one for the road real quick. We do want to wish the best to the inspiration formerly known as the iconics who announced on Wednesday that they are stepping away indefinitely. Keyword they're missing from the, uh, from the caption here indefinitely. Uh, from in-ring competition, uh, tons of outpouring on social media yesterday uh, for both Cassie Lee and Jessica McKay. Uh, and then a lot of people, again, of course, started speculating. Oh, does that mean that they're going to, are they going to AEW? Could they be making a return to WWE? The speculation running wild. Cassie Lee jumping out and saying, look, I'm pursuing other interests. It's as simple as that. See my pin tweet. And her pin tweet for a while now has been, one day I will be the lead in a rom-com. So uh, Cassie Lee has probably got herself uh, something cooking, uh, maybe a pilot. Who knows? Looking forward to it. I do wish them all the best. Uh, they are two incredibly talented ladies and they did good work for Impact. Can't wait to see what's next for them. Yeah, they were really good for Impact, and I was wondering why Impact took the Knockouts Tag Team titles off of them at Sacrifice last month, but now we see why. Uh, they kind of probably have been wanting to do this for a while they finished their you know obligations to impact wrestling and they were a big cube to impact wrestling when they got them when they came in at bound for glory and i think whatever they do they're going to be very entertaining at it they have great personalities they're two funny individuals so it doesn't matter if it's in professional wrestling or outside of it they're going to be successful so i wish them the best and i hope that we you know get to hear soon what their next step is going to be and where it's going to be, because I know I'm going to be supporting them regardless. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I haven't had the, the pleasure of chatting with, uh, with Jessica yet, but I have talked to Cassie before uh, just wonderful young woman, incredibly talented. Both of them are 
whether it's as podcast hosts, whether it's as professional wrestlers, they're incredibly entertaining. Uh, so yeah, if they got a shot at, at Hollywood, if that's what Cassie is, is clearly hinting at here, I think they're going to be just fine. And Hey, they can always come back to the, uh, the wrestling ring, uh, whenever there will be a place, uh, for the inspiration, the iconics, whatever you want to call them, uh, one day down the road. We appreciate you guys listening to all 58 minutes of this half hour podcast today. Thought we would be cool. Good enough to, you know, stick in that 45 minute zone, but damn it. Tony conscious keeps giving us too much good shit to talk about. We didn't really even talk about Jericho appreciation society. Ah, well, maybe next week for SP three, Ricky Chino. This is the believe in pro wrestling podcast brought to you by bet online. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Oh, wait, by the way, spoiler, uh, got Maria Canellis on the channel tomorrow, 7. AM dropping. That'll be good. Opening up her new promotion, talking about women's what a great week with all the headlines and conversations around the world of women's professional wrestling to talk to Maria Canellis, who's launching her own women's pr- pr- uh, promotion. Yeah. 7 a.m. tomorrow. Enjoy it, folks. Subscribe. Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast brought to you now by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.